Star Wars sessions. Probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars sessions podcast. Part that he loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars sessions. This is the way. This is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan, and buddy, and he's keeping Greg's in business. It's Master Blywalker, Luke Bly. How are you, my friend? Hey, how are you, Matty boy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How how is um Master Hudson? Oh, brings oh. out a pint. I've got, I've got, I've got a. Is it Staropraman? Staropraman, the Prague beer. Oh, those are bad boys. I like He's on offering the on offering the cop. So, uh, so that's how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm doing okay, mate. It's uh, it's another week on the Essex Falcon. Looking forward to uh, seeing where the galaxy takes us. But yeah, I'm not so bad in the real world either. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, you know, looking forward to the spring. Mate, I, I'm a bit jealous. I have just got the old Waterino this week, mate. But do you know what? It's, I know it's a bit mental all around the world but uh, uh, at the moment, but how nice was it that this weekend was actually mild? It was all right, wasn't it, over here? It was all right. It was all right. So, mate, it, it is crackalacking. I am so looking forward to talking some Star Wars. I know we got a cheeky surprise for everyone this week that we managed to keep, uh, you know, quiet on the lowdown. So, it's pretty cool. Before we get into any kind of good fun like that, let's get into even some, some more fun. Patrons, mate, we've got some new ones. Oh, yes, we do, mate, boy. Yes, we do. The force is with these new patrons. A big shout out to Jonah, who joined at the This Where the Fun Begins tier. And also a cheeky, spicy shout out to Emmett Manor, who joined at the High Ground tier. Welcome to the Patreon fam, guys, the uh, session sickheads. There is plenty of content to get stuck into pubcasts, journals um jibber jabbers commentaries and and loads more to come we we got plans for the patreon didn't we mate boy this is where the fun begins i have the high ground yes mate uh we've got yeah. some good plans for the patreon uh for the patrons out there uh watch out for the beginning of next month and keep your eye on the page for something that might be dropping but jonah emmett thanks so much for signing up we really really appreciate you supporting at that level and we hope you enjoy the content we've put out like everything lukey boy just said three shows a month plus more and you've got an awful you've got hundreds of hours of content to go back and listen to you lucky devils so yeah. thank you so much for signing up guys yeah absolutely mate boy absolutely and why not i'm just gonna bring it up again wasn't our live watch along like so good so good yeah so it was dandelorian oh mate that was quality beer pizza return of the jedi some great haircuts and great people wonderful yeah, man, oh, we we got to do another one of those soon. So stay tuned, patrons, because uh, I think Matt and I, we, we saw each other, was it? It was recently, and we were like, recently. mate, we were like, mate, we got to do another one of those. And we, we were we were chatting over which film we're going to do that on. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep an eye out. 
this is it because uh, when the world returns back to normal, or at least at least a semblance of, obviously we've got our commentaries to get onto. So we try not to overlap with the commentaries because our next one is going to be absolute. It's going to be like farming for filth. It's going to be we cannot wait for the next one. And um, as circumstances would be, yeah, we were able to meet up socially distanced with masks and everything recently to uh, do a little drop off, two drop offs in fact, and uh, we had a chat about what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks and months and. We're quite excited. Well, listen, you know, we love, we've got a passion for the sessions. We love it. And we love that. We, uh, we love that you all listen and enjoy. It, and we love that for our patrons who have signed up. So we've got some good, I know we say it, but we've got some great plans and patrons. Keep your eye out on the page at the beginning of the month. Yeah. I wake up every morning. I go sessions. I love it. I love That's it. That's exactly love it. it. That's it. He says it to his wife every morning. He says, Oh, I love you. She goes, Oh, thanks. Oh, I was talking to my podcast. Sorry. Yeah. I'm on the toilet. I'm like sessions so good. Yeah. So you just hear this tut, and you can hear the audible eye roll from the yeah. other room. <laughs> yeah, you can hear it. I can feel the eye roll. But no, yeah. Sorry, I did interrupt you, Matt. I, 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 I think you were going to be like, "Oh, can you hear something?" Bing bong, bing bong. Yes. In the background, I can hear the chimes, mate. It's Big Ben Kenobi, isn't it? What does that mean? <laughs> it can only mean one thing: it's Galactic News Round. <laughs> Mena Masood is rumoured to be in talks to play Ezra Bridger in the upcoming Ahsoka series. Hot Toys has unveiled the Mandalorian's Boba Fett figures, which are set for release in mid-2022. Star Wars Hunters, a new competitive arena combat game, is coming to the Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android in 2021. This is Guy Henry, known for playing Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. If you're caught in one of the galaxy's hives of scum and villainy and the hairs on the back of your necks begin to stand up, it'll be because of fear and only then will you know. Then you'll realise you've entered the lair of the gecko. This week we're joined by Dominic Pace. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hello to all your listeners out there. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Dominic. Uh, Do you know what? I've just got to say, I've got an intro that you are known as Gecko the Bounty Hunter, but I know you very recently as Guy in Superstore. <laughs> yes, yes. We've had a 25-plus-year career, uh, some nice little roles here and there, uh, some not-so-nice roles. I, I ended up uh, actually taking a, taking one for the team, doing a, a B-Shark movie years ago called Megalodon. But uh, I've seen that. It's sort of a blue-collar actor to where I've taken so many different opportunities uh, but just like you, gentlemen, and, and so many of your listeners, a lifelong Star Wars fan, uh, and this was absolutely a dream come true. Well, I heard, mate. So so just some background um, info, just in case someone has never heard of Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Um, can we have a little background info for someone who's new to absolutely. this bounty hunting yeah. world? 
As most Star Wars fans know, this would be completely insignificant, even if it was a Marvel or DC project. Uh, there's a magic. I was just uh, watching somebody doing a card back uh, to Wilro Hood from uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, the gentleman who literally was running with an ice cream maker for less than two seconds. Um, you know, it, it's only significant. I mean, I guess you would equate it also to Empire Strikes Back to where the original six bounty hunters were only on screen for probably less than one minute. Um, but yeah. that's the magic of Star Wars. That's the detail that Lucas has done and now passed on to Filoni and Favreau. The amount of detail, uh, you know, I was in makeup for two hours, uh, just literally for the same thing, less than one minute screen time in episode one and three of season one of Mandalorian. Um, there's just a special, uh, I, I think, attachment to the mysteriousness uh, of the side characters, specifically because they pay so much attention to detail in this universe, almost to a point to where they make it real. Um, the character, I, I was just a lifelong Star Wars fan. I'm extremely enthusiastic uh, as a fan and uh, for this opportunity that over the last couple of years, this character, which I think, again, would probably be insignificant if it wasn't for, I think, my own motivation as well, uh, and also just the support of the fans, just started gaining a lot of steam over the last couple of years, almost on a smaller scale, uh, similar to Boba, uh, to where, you know, again, he was just sort of, uh, you know, in the animation uh, of the Christmas special, and then obviously he was featured uh, for about a minute or two in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but it's just amazing what the Star Wars universe can do, and I, I can't tell you how honored I am, how humbled I am, uh, and how, how excited I am for hopefully the, the future of Gecko uh, in many more live action and hopefully animated uh, projects there as well. Ooh, I hear that, my friend. Well, you t I know you've, you've probably spoken about this ad nauseum for the last year and a bit about um, how you got on into the Mandalorian. But just for the benefit of our listeners, yes. now when how did, did you have to? Um, did you have to audition for the role? Did they call you up? What was the process? And when they did say, oh, by the way, Dominic, uh, you're in. You're in the Mando. How was that? Sure. So uh, a blue collar actor, uh, you know, uh, literally just grit and grind. Uh, you know, I know in England, they, they have a lot of working class. So for me, um, it's not about, you know, the Hollywood lifestyle of driving a Mercedes uh, with the big, you know, going to all the red carpets, etc. You know, this is a tough, uh, it's a tough job where you have to roll up your sleeves, take all different levels of work. Uh, one of the levels of work that I've taken is prosthetic work. It's not the greatest talent in the world. But at the same time, you do have to have a certain amount of patience, because sometimes you're in the chair uh, for over two hours. Uh, uh, at the same time, no attitude, no ego, and also at the same time, uh, experience. They, they like people with experience. I had the fortune of being with Hugh Jackman for about three months. I doubled and stood in for Frankenstein in 2002 on Van Helsing, opposite the lovely uh, Kate Beckinsale as well. Um, and that wow. uh, I, originally was the first time I met with Legacy Effects. Years later, I ended up working on Bright with Will Smith as one of the orcs. I was also oh, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this ended up being, I was called in by a second team casting office for just a simple makeup test. I happened to meet with a gentleman by the name of Brian Sipe. He's probably one of the most uh, a, a talented uh, prosthetic gentlemen in the entire uh, world, not even so much the country. They go, they rely on legacy effects for things where they're not going to go uh, to CGI, and, and he could not have done a better job. He headed up uh, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. We started talking. We had I had no idea. I was in the chair for six hours. He was experimenting on my head. I think it definitely was a plus to have a bald head because he was able to play around with a lot of the prosthetics. Um, there was no mention of Star Wars whatsoever, <laughs> but a very mysterious thing happened during lunch. One of the assistants said, would you like to walk around the uh, the warehouse? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I'm walking around and it was almost similar to episode two where, uh, you know, uh, Kenobi is sort of taking a a, a, a tour of the uh, the stormtroopers and the clones, uh, the clone army about to, uh, <laughs> to take off. 
and there was all these Star Wars props and and statues and everything else in the back warehouse. And I said, oh. my God, I said, what, what what's going on here? What, I literally could not put two and two together because I, I thought, you know, Star Wars was just, you know, uh, focused on uh, just the episodes. And that's it. There's there's no way there's going to be any sort of live action uh, in any way. It's just and everything that Star Wars has done is pretty much in England and Australia. And the gentleman just told me, he said, oh, no, they're just working on another um, uh, video game. So this is a lot of their uh, models just specifically for that. So uh, two weeks later, I get a phone call. <laughs> Naughty boy. Yeah, to go in for a, uh, a project called Huckleberry as a nickname. And I, it, it, just for a makeup test, and this is the first time in my career and I, that I had a makeup test on a day that I was not filming. And I said, my God, whatever this is, this budget has got to be off the charts because call, uh, you know, uh, union actors in on a day that's actually not being used for the, uh, for the screen uh, is quite an investment for the production company. So my hand started going slightly numb when I saw the NDA agreement uh, uh, where it said Lucasfilm at the top of the page. And then I was brought into a wardrobe room. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Poro, just the most interesting look you can imagine. If you look him up, uh, it's as if you were to, uh, you know, have the wardrobe done for Star Wars. This is the man that you would have just by sight. Uh, he's just an interesting looking gentleman and uh, so extremely talented. Uh, any Star Wars fan, once you walked into that room, would have been able to put it together that uh, this was a, uh, a Lucasfilm project, uh, Star Wars universe project. That's where, again, our hearts started pounding a little more. We get sent into another room, and there were three options of wardrobe saying Dominic Pace, Bounty Hunter. And right then and there, Brian Sipe came up the stairs, and he said, you know, there are a couple options masked, but I want to save Dominic for the most extensive makeup. He had so much patience. Uh, in the chair, there were 25 Bounty Hunters, and I want to give you the most extensive makeup for the uh, for the two episodes there. And I was just beside myself, you know, the, fir the first memories that come in, is really going back to being five years old with my 12 original figures and inside, you know, playing uh, with my Cantina playset and putting the blasters inside the hands of the figures and feeling that myself for the first time on a blaster that I got to choose on my own. Uh, it, it was just the most amazing two weeks you can possibly imagine. Uh, it was almost like a real life Willy Wonka's chocolate factory to where you get to get transported into this, this magical world uh, that we've all dreamt of being a part of there. Wow, that is mental. That is mental. Can you imagine? You say so you had no idea it was going to be Star Wars, and then you're there and you're like, "Hang on, what's going on here? This is this is a galaxy far, far away." And you you grew up as a Star Wars fan. Like to me, that just sounds so alien. That seems like just a, a world away, you know. And I'm I'm a Star Wars fan. I do a Star Wars podcast with my mate Matt. Do you know what I mean? It, it, but it still seems so alien if you pardon the pun uh no that's fantastic dominic so what was it like like working with lucasfilm because like you said mate this is a really different process to the episodes that are mostly uh in, in production in the uk australia and on set now this was in the volume right did you did you get to experience any of that or was it set in in california too uh, we were in California. Uh, we were adjacent to the volume, but the first day of the makeup test with the Filoni and Favreau and the amazing Deborah Chow, who's actually heading up Kenobi, uh, while I was having the makeup test, so I'm, I'm taking all of this in uh, and doing the screen test. I was sort of, uh, the backdrop was sort of a moisture farm where they wanted me to reveal myself. I, uh, Gecko has a blue robe and a hood. Uh, so I, would, I, turned my, I turned around almost like uh, Kenobi in episode four, and they wanted me to just sort of spot a ship in the in the sky. But as this is all going around to the to the left, uh, just what caught my eye 
was this LED screen, which when I saw the back of it for the first time, I thought it was just going to be the interior of a spaceship because it had all these matrix-like plugins uh, for every... I would say uh, two by two uh, foot uh, uh, square. And I was just like, wow, this, this must be an amazing spaceship they have on the other side. I, my vision is absolutely perfect. And I cannot tell you how crystal clear that volume is. I, the joke is now if that we ever win the lottery. I remember the big Star Wars dream is to have a Millennium Falcon in my backyard. But ideally, <laughs> to have that LED screen and say one of your spare rooms with maybe 13 channels, uh, it, it just literally transports <laughs> you to uh, the, the whatever destination you want to go to. Uh, it feels so real, like uh, more than any other IMAX film you've ever seen. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, there were mixed emotions on the first day. Uh, I, I mean, things have just, you know, obviously as a fanboy in a way, uh, uh, George Lucas was there inside the cantina as they're placing oh. us. Uh, that was the scene where, you know, Carl is uh, is talking to, uh, well, it's actually uh, not Pedro, it was Brendan Wayne, uh, John Wayne's grandson about, you know, the bounty uh, pucks there, and so, et cetera. But Lucas is there with Kennedy. And all I can think about was my mind was racing in terms of the potential of being a one of a kind, unique bounty hunter and where this could possibly lead um, in terms of, you know, for my career, for the future. And, and also to make this character sort of a, a legacy uh, within the universe. So it was part excitement and enjoying it minute by minute, but also at the same time. I, my mind was racing with just a, you know, it's like the uh, the Hugh Jackman uh, song, you know, a million dreams uh, in terms of where and the potential uh, <laughs> that gecko could go uh, from being a one of a kind species and bounty hunter within the universe from that point forward. Oh, good on you, mate. And that's what it's all about. Like you said, if you get an opportunity, take it, grasp it with both hands. And you have got one now, as you say, as gecko, the bounty hunter. What is, obviously, we, uh, we're here to talk about your plans for the character. But before we actually get into what's next for the character, what does, you know, why does Gecko mean so much? What does he mean to you? What does it mean to you to put on that makeup and look at yourself and be think, I'm not, I'm not Dominic, I'm Gecko. What does that mean to you, man? You know, it's funny. It's taking on a deeper meaning as the months progress. Um, I was one of 25 bounty hunters. And this is something that's sort of a lesson in life. I, I, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? By hands down, it's uh, Empire Strikes Back. And the reason being is because of the teachings of Yoda. But now you take this situation, especially in our country right now, they're talking a very popular word is called privilege, right? You know, who has privilege, who doesn't have privilege, etc. Um, 25 bounty hunters and really little to no opportunity in less than one minute time. And the one thing for me is it's sort of a... Uh, I guess an analogy of my entire career in that sometimes you're given a small opportunity in life. And the one thing also that I think that's beautiful about the Star Wars universe is that all these characters in their own uniqueness, their own individuality, there's something special about them. There is something unique. So the one thing what started as, hey, you know, I'm a bounty hunter and how exciting is that from the original six bounty hunters uh, to be that and to be this imposing, uh, amazing look that Brian Sype created along with Joseph Puro, it's taking on a new meaning in terms of the popularity that it's gaining. And to me, it's sort of a, a bigger meaning to teach my sons the importance of not making excuses in life and going out there and not only following your dreams, but also at the same time, helping others. Uh, when we did the campaign last year due to COVID, uh, I toured over 40 different comic book stores. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm completely humbled that I'm not one of the stars of the show. But the one thing that really resonates is when you are kind to people, when you help others, uh, it's amazing how that reverberates back to you so much to the point now where regardless of what the future is of Gecko, the fans have been so excited. They went on and they wanted to create their own fan fiction comic 
of Gecko, uh, which we're actually taking this year. And we're going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, twofold uh, be able to go back and support small business and be able to spread that positivity of Star Wars and also the ideology of no matter if you're one of 25 or you're handed a very small opportunity in this world, there is chance for improvement and chance to succeed as opposed to making excuses by getting out there, believing in yourself and, and helping others as opposed to, again, uh, saying, OK, well, there's something wrong with this. You know, uh, we are all immigrants in one way or another, uh, you know, Italian-American, uh, you know, th- th- this this country, uh, unfortunately, you know, we've had our struggles in one way or another, and everybody has had their struggle. Uh, but the most important thing is that if you believe in yourself and you work hard and you help others, a lot of amazing things can happen. And I think at the end of this, it's not so much that Gecko may be known for his character, but it might be known for a bigger movement uh, in the real world, in the real Star Wars universe, the mm. Star Wars story of Gecko in, uh, here on Earth as opposed to within the universe there. That's lovely, mate. That's lovely. And we'll, we'll talk more about the future plans of Gecko in, in, a, in a moment, because they sound like so interesting. Sounds like you've got a fire plan there, mate. Um, but let's, let's just go back a, a wee bit and talk about, you know, you've, you've just dropped GL. You've just said, oh, just casually, like, yeah, yeah George Lucas, blah, 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 blah. And, whoa, 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 hang on. Hang on there, Dominic. Hang on. <laughs> so you've you have worked with you've worked with George Lucas, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Can you tell us any memorable quirks and any sort of something that really has stayed with you with working with those gentlemen? Because you know they are they're some of the Star Wars daddies, you know. And you've got the great grandpappy of Star Wars right there, you know. What what's that like, mate? Uh, uh, two two elements uh, in particular. One, I've always been a fan of Star Wars. I never necessarily got into the books. Um, you know, I, I you know wasn't too much into Clone Wars or uh, or Star Wars Rebels. I'm I'm watching them now just to sort of do my research. You know, with the universe, etc. Uh, and also wanted to get into uh, uh, the Thrawn books as well. But uh, Lucas is just uh, casually leaning up against the bar, talking to Favreau about the history of the Mandalorians, uh, extensive detail, of the Mandalorians. And that, to me, just piqued my interest in terms of how much bigger this universe is, aside from just the norm that most of us Star Wars fans know, which is, you know, Han, Luke and Leia and just everything more or less surrounding them and Chewie and and, you know, um, uh, 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 <laughs> Lando, etc., uh, so I thought that was very fascinating. The other thing that really stuck out to me, uh, and I had this with you, Jackman, as well, is just a tremendous ener- uh, level of energy in terms of positivity and also being uh, what we say here in the States is uh, as cool as the other side of the pillow. Like basically uh, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a hundred million dollar budget on your shoulders back in the 80s and 90s. When you had that kind of budget, say with James Cameron and during Titanic, there are legendary stories of him and say Michael Bay on his projects of screaming and yelling and, you know, firing people right on the spot. And the one thing with Favreau and Filoni and Kennedy and, and Lucas is just it felt like just such a relaxed, a calm tempo. And there was no pressure. They, they, you know, that's a beautiful sign that the story has a perfect arc and there are no conflicts in terms of the writing. Um, and that was the one thing that I noticed was just, and, and that pours over to Deborah Chow, the director as well, to where it was just a good, constant, gentle pressure of focus. Uh, everybody, uh, uh, what I say is that if you, you know, was a part of a Navy ship, you would want to be under their command. Just complete respect for each one of them in terms of the way the energy uh, that, that that set felt like, not to mention uh, <laughs> this beautiful moment. Uh, you know, I, I equate uh, acting to sort of the Matrix to where all of a sudden, you know, if you feel it in your mind, the world starts going away and you can create, you know, whether you want to jump or, 
or shoot or, uh, you know, have a superpower or what have you. Uh, there was just that nothing was uh, more beautiful than the experience on this set than having the universe going away and really genuinely feeling like you were in the Star Wars universe. And I felt that for many days uh, while I was there, even with, uh, you know, such a, a little side character role uh, that Gecko had there. That is incredible. And honestly, just listening to, well, I was just watching, you know, John and George just having a chat by the bar, just mm. about the Mandos and just being able to in full gecko gear. Honestly, I'm, I wasn't even there and I'm starting to feel like I was there and I kind of wish I was. If, if John's listening, you know, me and Luke will happily come and be a couple of bounty hunters for the next series. We don't mind, but, um, you've mentioned obviously now let's talk about the, the future or what is next? What's the plan for the character then? Cause, you're obviously clearly very passionate about the character as well. You should be, and we love to hear it. So um, we know you've got plans. So can we let's, let's go into it? What, what what's happening with the future of Gecko the Bounty Hunter? So so during my tour last year, I didn't expect much of a draw, you know. But all of a sudden, I get to Sioux City, Iowa, and there's about 200 people waiting for me. Not to mention the mayor of the city, uh, nice. it's the center of the country, and he declares July 18th, 2020, as Dominic Pace Gecko Day. So I, I brought my 11 no year <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I'm just all of a sudden looking at him, you know, the NBC is there and CBS, you know, some of the major networks. And I said, they must know, they must know at this point in terms of now that the momentum that this character is gaining. Then I go down to Tennessee, another stop. They give me the key to the city <laughs> and another hundred people are there wanting my autograph and, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, just come and take a photo, etc. So for me, uh, a lot of times with these things, with major studios, when you go rogue and you sort of start, you know, doing your own campaign and, and you know, your tour and signings, et cetera, usually you get a letter <laughs> to where they say, hey, either <laughs> one, or, one or the other, you'd say, you know, we want you back on set or, hey, you need to stop. So what I am under the impression of knowing now with the fan fiction comic is that I think they genuinely appreciate the enthusiasm, uh, the branding, um, the promotion of the show. Uh, you know, for me, you know, my, my whole history is squeaky clean. I'm just, a, a, you know, like so many of you gentlemen and ladies, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan, you know, just for heart, you know, just by heart since I was five years old. Um, but uh, for, I, I, I take out a quote from what Funko Pop uh, said to me in that they want to see what happens. So... I, I think in a way, this is something this has never before seen, you know, sort of a, 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 of, a of a trail uh, for an actor from such a franchise so big in that they want to see a, sort of the progression and the popularity and the momentum. And for me, I'm just running with it. And uh, we're hoping by August after this campaign and after they see, obviously, the passion uh, from a lot of the fans in America and also I think the demand uh, with the comic book, hopefully overseas with England and um, uh, Germany have been big fans as well as uh, many countries uh, or areas in uh, uh, South America there. Um, we're, we're hopeful that uh, we'll get a call from them in a positive way. And ideally, in a perfect world, we'd like to return uh, with the, uh, the Book of Boba there. Oh, mate, that sounds class. That sounds absolute class. Dominic, you've mentioned Deborah Chow and Kenobi. Yeah. Is there any chance that you think, oh, do you know what? Gecko, he loves a bit of Kenobi. He's going he's gonna to show up in, uh, in the Kenobi series. Uh, obviously, you know, there's only so much you can say, but um, I, 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 I didn't hear you say, I didn't hear you say you got a letter saying, no, stop doing what you're doing. And there's so, the book of Boba Fett, like you say, a bounty hunter show. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've said in a few interviews, the ideal storyline I would love, at least from Vader, from that uh, uh, episodic, you know, from the four episodes in a perfect world for me, uh, Vader would commission a series of bounty hunters to go after, uh, Kenobi. 
and uh, Kenobi would just uh, have a little ass whipping with a handful of them, uh, whether they he, he destroys them or not. Um, in a perfect world, yes, you have to understand that we were not seen dying in episode three, but I will go as far as to say that they had no plans. And, and when I go back to the story I was telling you just in regards to life, in that sometimes when life doesn't have plans, you make plans, you make that opportunity, you make the dream. Mm. So we literally were starting from the ground here as opposed to any plans that they had or any momentum that they thought similar to say maybe Boba, you know, obviously uh, uh, Lucas was not have thrown him down the Sarlacc pit. Had he not known how popular Boba would have become over the years, he would have created a spinoff right then and there and had Boba uh, fly away. So it's sort of the same thing in that we need to put in the elbow grease, the hard work uh, right now uh, and, and sort of, uh, you know, do that gr grassroots marketing like we've been doing. And, you know, look, we're, we're still young or 45 years old. Uh, I think we've got a great uh, future ahead. And I think as long as we continue to spread that positivity and also with all the Star Wars content coming out, uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing uh, another uh, gecko sighting officially in the years to come there. That's what we like to hear, isn't it, mate? Absolutely. I was actually going to say, Dominic, before we went on recording, we were like, mate, when are you coming to England next? And when are we going to go to the pub together? Because that's going to happen. Isn't it, mate? I, I, you know, I'm not just putting pressure on because we're recording right now, but we are going to have a few cheeky pints together, you know, oh. share some stories. And wait, like wait. I said, Dominic's going to be like, man, I miss that Comic Con. <laughs> those <laughs> those Star Wars sessions, boys. Um, I miss Mando season forecasting for this. <laughs> we, we were just partying too hard. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait. My grandfather was one of the greatest inspirations to me. I'm sure just like uh, that generation for you, the, you know, the heroism uh, that so many members of uh, the English uh, um, army had to uh, uh, undergo. I mean, through obviously, you know, with, with Nazi Germany, et, et cetera. Um, so the one thing I wanted to visit was obviously Churchill's bunker and a little bit of World War II history in Southern England, where my, uh, my grandfather took off to Normandy uh, Beach there. He was at Utah Beach uh, with so many amazing soldiers uh, from England as mm -hmm. well. Uh, so it, I definitely want to honor him. Uh, but most importantly, uh, I, I'm sure we'll also be getting that pint and also uh, <laughs> I'll be attending a few Comic Cons around that area, I'm sure, as the, uh, the years progress. Sounds good to me. What a way to honor as well. Uh, whilst you're over here, yeah, check out some of the beautiful sites we've got in the UK. And if you're there and if you can manage to honor your grandfather, that's that's what it's all about. And we'll happily take you up on that pint as well, my friend. But comic, Gecko comic. Yeah. Who, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I fancy a copy of that, so I'm going to pick one up mm -hmm. for the uh, for the listeners because you talk. You're obviously talking about putting in the hard work, putting in the graph, putting in the effort. And you've mentioned the comic a few times now. What uh, firstly, what's it, obviously it's about Gecko, but what is the kind of crux of the story, and when can, when and where can they pick it up from? Sure. There was a fan in Maryland uh, who always just wanted to be uh, a writer. And he approached me early on in the campaign, probably about a year and a half ago. And he said, do me a favor. He says, your, your Wikipedia, you know, Gecko, he said, I, 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 an administrator over there, I would love to, if it's okay, uh, establish sort of a backstory for Gecko. Uh, I have an idea of the name of the planet that I would, I, I think he's from. Um, a, another gentleman in Colorado said, you know, look, this is the ship that I think Gecko has. It's nothing that's pretty or sexy like, you know, Queen Amidala's, um, but I think it's, you know, a little bit rugged, you know, almost like a Gecko's look. <laughs> so I had all these fans and an illustrator came out from Romania and then a colorist from Brazil. It's just sort of a world, <laughs> worldwide effort. Uh, they all sort of came together 
um, to want to put together the story of what happens after Navarro. Uh, so he is about to uh, uh, return to his planet where he uh, uh, comes into a little bit of a, a bounty conflict and meets an old friend. Uh, this is actually going to be available on uh, geckothebountyhunter.com uh, beginning uh, as short of uh, actually in one week. Uh, so at, at early March, uh, we're uh, uh, we're expecting that, and it'll only be a uh, ten dollars shipping uh, out to um, uh, to the to overseas, and uh, it, it comes autographed. There's four different variant covers, um, but it's a twelve page, uh, well, sixteen page total uh, comic, uh, and I, I I'm very grateful to the fan base uh, for wanting to uh, uh, explore Gecko's backstory uh, through the fans themselves uh, who created this for me, and I I can't tell you how grateful I am, and appreciate everyone's support. That's amazing, mate. Because I, I know you mentioned you're going to be doing another tour, aren't you, this year? I know you did your tour last year. You're doing another one this year. You're going to Hawaii even, so not even just mainland USA. Um, oh, and who cool. knows, you know, by the looks of things, you know, maybe that tour might include the UK. Let's let's see how this year goes. I know it's all a bit crazy. Um, but, yeah, any favorite places, by the way, while, you, while you've been doing your tours all around your uh, home country? Oh, absolutely. Well, this, this year is going to be a little more historic. Last year was pop culture. I, uh, who doesn't love Elvis Presley? And I went everything from, uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, which was his humble beginnings in this sort of, uh, depression era house, uh, which his father started. Oh my God. If you blew, uh, that house could probably, uh, crack down. I don't know how they got through it with the tornadoes, uh, to going to Graceland, uh, was absolutely amazing. They have, uh, have kept the interior the same way, uh, that he had it with all the tacky gold and the big shag car. Carpets and even carpets on the ceiling. It's uh, it was absolutely amazing. Not to oh, mention, wow. you know, unfortunately here in the states uh, we like to eat, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately it shows. Uh, but all, uh, different parts of the country have just the most amazing food. Down in the south, they have what's called a, a chicken fried uh, steak uh, with the country gravy. Oh my god, it's it's just the greatest thing you could ever try. Uh, you, you'll you'll be taking a nap for the next five days. Um, but this year, you know, going back a little bit earlier, uh, our original explorers in the eighteen hundreds was uh, Lewis and Clark. And uh, a part of our path is going to take us through Missouri and also the state of uh, North Dakota, which is where they spent the first winter on their exploration to get to the west uh, through the Missouri River. Uh, so I'm going to be uh, taking the kids to a, little, a few museums there. Uh, but some of the sites are just absolutely amazing all throughout the country. And uh, what was better uh, than, than to take my son to um, uh, a Disney World last year uh, they stayed open through uh, COVID in Florida, and that was just a great way to celebrate sort of this little mini victory uh, for, you know, again, uh, putting Gecko on the map in so many ways and, and hopefully a bright future ahead. Oh, mate, that is fantastic. Uh, I, I love the sound of these things. I've been to America a couple of times. I know Matt's been to the States. I've been to California, New York, Florida. I've done a stop off for about two hours in Minneapolis airport. Um, oh, I've gone to Vegas as well. But even just here in those places, those are the kind of places that you're like, you, as a European, you do only see on TV. It almost seems mythical, right? And it's, I suppose it's similar when, uh, I mean, I've got friends in California when they visit us and they see these just normal British towns and they're like, wow, it's, it's so weird. It's so different. Yeah, it's quaint. Um, now you mentioned your son, Dominic, um, and whatnot. And I know you've got a, from the scenes things, you've got, you've got a very good relationship with your son. Um, and you know, life, like you said, life, you do have to seize the day a little bit. You know, you have to chase the coins. You have to do what you need to do to get things done. Um, and obviously you're doing this tour, but it's not just for 
the bounty hunter. It's not just for yourself. It's it's, it's for your family as well, isn't it? Without question, you know, uh, look, uh, I, I know that there's a lot of discussion right now in our country in regards to uh, relieving student loan debt. But I come from a background in New York where, you know, if you want that college education, you need to pay for it. And uh, one of the things I'm taking my older son, I have two sons, uh, Dante, who's 15. My younger is Bennett, uh, who is 12. He may be joining us for half the tour. Uh, but my older son to not only teach him about work ethic, but also uh, this is uh, personally for his uh, college education. Uh, like like you gentlemen in England, um, I'm one of those guys where I'm happy with just a pint and a Subway sandwich and I'm okay the rest of my life in a one bedroom. Um, but for him, I just really, you know, I, what breaks my heart about the teenagers at this time right now is that they did not have the pleasure to enjoy high school the way that we did, you know, with sports and, uh, you know, just the parties and the girlfriends, et cetera. You know, all of this Zoom stuff is really, to me, at the end of the day, as much you can have a million watch parties uh, uh, to your heart's content, uh, but at the same time, it's not uh, real life. So for me, uh, nothing would please me more. He is a straight A student. He goes to a very accredited high school uh, due to his grades uh, on the west side here in Los Angeles by uh, an accredited university, uh, UCLA. It's a prep school. And uh, the one great thing that I can give to him, the greatest gift, is not only the lesson of Gecko, which is what we've uh, spoken about in terms of believing in yourself, no matter what the opportunity uh, is that presents itself in life, uh, but also to take care of that college education because he's a good kid. He's not entitled. He's not spoiled. Uh, and he just he's, he's been so uh, such a great son uh, to my wife and I there. That's incredible to hear as a father as well. It's lovely to hear what you know what you'll do to for your family and for your sons as well. And let's face it. Your sons must think it's pretty cool to have a bounty hunter as a father. <laughs> Without question, uh, you know, I think it would make a great movie someday because, you know, they do see the behind the scenes of all the, you know, the odd jobs in between uh, one gig or the other. Uh, so they see the struggle. They see how difficult it is. Um, but I'd like to believe at the end of, uh, of my time here uh, that they uh, would be proud in terms of what I've achieved. And, and I hope that it inspires them. Uh, the one thing I've told Dante, you know, I've had positions before um, to where I've been able to make uh, six figures in terms of a salary. Uh, but the one thing that I've, I've tried to instill in them is to make sure you do what makes you happy. It's not about the money in life, but most importantly, uh, what makes you happy. But, you know, when you find that uh, to make sure that you are staying active with it, because, uh, you know, in anything in life, it takes a lot of perseverance uh, in order to do what you love and to make a living off of it. That's words to live by there. And no, I can't can't argue that. And I know Luke will think the same. If you want something, you've got to work for it. But when you get there, cherish it as well. On the on the comic book, this pretty much the last one for me is, you've, you've said that the, the first run is out now. Are there plans for, um, I guess it's down to how well, it's, how well it sells or the popularity, but are there plans to do future uh, series of the comic book? And can me and Luke feature in them? <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, yeah, remind me, yeah. maybe next year. Uh, we definitely left a. Uh, they left a, a cliffhanger in the uh, the comic, uh, without question. Um, but for right now, this is a one off in a perfect world. Uh, we just love to see, uh, Disney to see the level of enthusiasm, to see the draw that the character is receiving, and to hopefully get that invite back. Um, not only with uh, the live action, but hopefully with the figures. I think you know the icing on the cake for me, and I mentioned it last year as well. I think any Star Wars fan, you'd love to. Uh, 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 be a part of the universe, but also at the same time, the fans have been amazing as far as creating so many custom figures of Gecko from Black Series to Funko Pop to uh, mini Lego figures. Um, but uh, uh, in a perfect world, they were pretty short, in my opinion, in terms of the way that they uh, created the Mandalorian characters. There were only about five figures that they created, more or less, and they did about a million different versions of, uh, of Grogu. Um, but I, I'd like to see them go back to the originality <laughs> of the, the, the side characters, uh, specifically Gecko, uh, hopefully in the years to come. 
I was thinking exactly that recently, you know. I was like, man, and and the demand for Mandalorian stuff is so high, but it seems like there's not as much supply, whereas there was almost oversupply on certain other projects in Star Wars. You know, you think Solo, Last Jedi and stuff. I I don't know. It just, it does seem a little odd. It's not like... You know, when when I grew up, Dominic, I I grew up during the prequel era. There was yeah. an there was an action figure for like Dex in Dex's yeah. diner. The guy's just flipping pancakes and knows where uh, Django Fett lives. Um, uh, yeah, I would love to see more of that. There's definitely there's definitely demand for it. I think. I, I think they took a little hit on the sequel trilogy, and I think that's the reasoning why they probably wanted to be a little more conservative. But it's heartbreaking because, again, this was the, this was my time. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, hey, <laughs> yeah, I don't care about the sequel trilogy. Hey. You know, Mandalorian's better. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I mean, up. I care about it, but you know what I mean? As far as the uh, the sales results, I think, you know, obviously that demand is still there, you know? Yeah. So, we- well, well I, love the, I love the look of the Bounty Hunter, but you mentioned Grogu. And I've got to say, listen, I like Gecko. I like you, Dominic. You're a good guy. If you hurt a hair on that little dude's head, we're coming for you. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's so adorable. <laughs> and hopefully uh, we won't. it won't be the last of seeing him there. Really excited to see uh, where the Star Wars universe is taken. But uh, how grateful are we for John and Dave, though, in terms of uh, really just having their finger mm-hmm. on the fan base's mind and, and our hearts in terms of knowing what we like and enjoy. I, I tell you, you know, I grew up in Generation X and we loved uh, uh, He-Man and Thundercats. And the one thing is now, uh, because they did such an amazing job, we just wish that Favreau would take over uh, every one of our childhood uh, franchises. There, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, honestly, I, I feel the exact same. It is such a well-produced show. And I won't lie to you, 2020 was horrendously difficult for so many people in such a it, it vast amount of ways, unfortunately. But The Mandalorian Season 2 was just, it felt like, just such a relief and such escapism, man. And it to have it so well received, especially the season finale, mate, like it was just amazing. It was just what I needed. And it was a little pick-me-up, um, which is great. Now, we've mentioned the films briefly. Dominic, I'm going to ask you a bit of a cheeky question to wrap things up here, mate. Uh, do you have – you said Empire Strikes Back is your favorite Star Wars film. What is, mate? And you can be honest. There's no hate here, mate. There's, you know, this is a safe space. What's your least favorite Star Wars film? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I had a problem with episode eight. I, I just felt, you know, and it, I don't think it's a offense to Ryan. I think the issue is, is that. You know, I, my wife and I have this rule. Uh, we say, <laughs> I laugh because she's in the other room, but whoever's cooking in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want opinions in terms of how much uh, more salt I should use, how much, you know, adjustment. We don't, we don't uh, uh, overlap each other because the problem is, is then it ruins the recipe. So for me, uh, I, I would have loved to have just seen JJ continue on no matter what his decision was with episode eight. Uh, so I had an issue with that because I felt like I saw, you know, an abrupt change in the storyline. And I would have loved to just seen what JJ would have done with that there, to be honest. Uh, so for me, it's that. But again, the one thing I do want to uh, mention is I'm just not a fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually went off Twitter for a while because the one thing for me is to never hurt anyone else's feelings. You know, even politically, look, we all have different opinions. Uh, but the most important thing is to say, hey, you know, this is my opinion, but never to uh, to hurt anyone, uh, any Star Wars fans' feelings because they may have a different opinion than yours. You know, that's a, that might be somebody else's hero in that film. So it's not my place to, uh, you know, you draw the line in terms of uh, criticism. Uh, but for me personally, that would be the answer. 
Mm, great answer mate great answer and thank you for sharing and thank you for being so honest as well mate because yeah it's well and that's what i think is dare i say a bit unique about our show is that we have loads of people who listen to the show but also you know patrons people who are in our little community that we're so grateful for we have people who adore the last jedi and we have people who hate it you know, but Matt and I try to approach things in a balanced way where, look, we're here, we're here for a bit of fun at the end of the day. You know, we're just having a laugh. And that's what it's all about, I think. Uh, Matty boy, I know you got a cheeky, cheeky little final question, haven't you, mate? <laughs> well, I do. Um, this episode of uh, SWS is all about bounty hunters, hence why we've got uh, the one bounty hunter who could take down Luke Skywalker on the show. <laughs> Gecko aside, mm-hmm. who is your favourite? star wars bounty hunter you know i i i if i if i can say because i can give a shout out to england in a way and i i don't know any inside information um <laughs> but aside from boba obviously that's just the obvious choice i think for all of us it was probably one of the coolest figures i would love to give a shout out and hopefully a rehash of his career uh to vinnie jones i think would be an amazing dengar but the one thing for me is I just loved, you know, they had a middleweight English boxer who played that role. Forgive me for not remembering his name. Rest in peace. Um, but Dengar, there was just something so special about how scrappy. And again, the one thing for me is just blue collar, dirty, get your hands dirty, kind of a guy with, the, uh, you know, a big, large blaster. Uh, so I would say uh, Dengar was uh, was pretty up there in the ranks there for me. You were in a film with Finney Jones, weren't you? Is it The Midnight Man as well, was it called? Yeah, some amazing English actors. Uh, Will Kemp, who we actually became friends with on uh, on the set of Van Helsing. He played Wolfman. Uh, and also Steve Valentine, who's also an amazing English actor. Yeah. Uh, along with Vinnie Jones, uh, Doug Jones, William Forsyth. If you gentlemen get a chance, the two films I would recommend uh, uh, from my career would be The Midnight Man. I'm billed about eighth or ninth. And then also uh, starring in Anonymous Killers, which is on an, uh, Amazon right now. It's a great uh, a great uh, sort of um, uh, film in regards to uh, um, uh, just the social justice system and also the criminal justice system in our society today. They're a very interesting uh, piece there. Sweet. Wow. Written and noted. I'm a film dude, so I've written them down and noted. Thank you. That's lovely, mate. Dominic, this has been an absolute dream, mate. It's been great talking to Gecko, the bounty hunter. And we'll tell people, by the time this episode comes out, it will only be a few days away from the release of the comic. That's GeckoTheBountyHunter.com, right? Yes, correct. And then uh, Gecko the Hunter on Twitter, Dominic Pace one on Instagram, and also Lair of the Gecko on Facebook for all the updates in regards to uh, the touring dates and appearances and event uh, confirmations. There are RSVPs for everybody. Thank you so much. You're a legend, Dominic. Thank you so much for coming on to our show for talking Mandalorian, talking, you know, George Lucas, John Favreau, all these, all these amazing names. And you're, of course, your experience. And listen, mate, I, I can't wait to see more Gecko. It's going to be, it's going to be good crack. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you all and my best to every, all the listeners, especially over in England uh, during this time. Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. Best wishes. Thank you, Dominic.
I'm the Dom, the big bad Dom. Bow, bow, bow. The bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dom. <laughs> the bounty hunter. He loves it, doesn't he? What a legend. What, what a legend. King. What a nice guy he was. Dominic, thank you so much for coming on, mate, and sharing his stories about Gecko past and present. And if anybody wants to pick up the comic Gecko, the bounty hunter, Dot com. Go check it out and keep your eyes on the socials at the end of this week, uh, commencing 22nd, to see Dominic's announcement as well. But honestly, mate, thank you. How good was that? Oh, mate. Again, it's so surreal hearing and talking to people that have dealt like directly with people like John Favreau, Filoni, Lucas. It It's so weird. You know, especially I think back to when we've spoken to like Ahmed Best and uh, Guy Henry. It's just... It, uh, you know, you know. There's always that thing, like, oh yeah, you're always like one person away from knowing someone, like yeah. you're seven people away from knowing like the whole world. It's like, well, I know I'm one person away from George Lucas, and I'm one person away from John Favreau now, and Dave oh, that- Dave Floney, oh Fave Devoni, so. Oh. Fave at that naughty boy Dominic. Oh, I was just you know sitting there in me in my gecko outfit, and I saw I saw John and George, you know J and G, big boys at the bar having a little chat. Just drops it in there casually. How cool would that? Just imagine, and like Dom said, just imagine sitting there and just seeing those two, not to doing anything. They're just they're just chatting, like you know, because they are just normal people, just chatting. Right? How weird must that have been in so in a weird. cantina setting? It's so surreal. So, so, so surreal, man. But we thought we'd have kind of like a little bit of a bounty hunter special. You know, this episode, we've spoken to Gecko from The Mandalorian, who's a bounty hunter. You know, we might just want to talk a little bit about our opinions on the hunters, uh, especially our favorite dog, the bounty hunter, who would run around Hawaii with a little bottle of spray. He would just run around, little bit of spray. Like it was like a, a bottle of hairdressers water or something. That's it. Do you remember when he was every at one point? Like dog was everybody knew dog the bounty hunter. It was like a, it, it touched the zeitgeist for a little while. <laughs> it did. I was saying to Arley, my wife, uh, early, early. I was saying to her early. I was like, man, I remember um, going on like a family holiday to uh, my, my cousin's wedding, who got married in Italy, and. Um, my nan and granddad came round and, and everything, but I was downstairs in the living room, like before anyone else, believe it or not, right? <laughs> I was ready before. Man, they must have been on. It, yeah, yeah, right. Well, close enough because I, I went downstairs. I was like, right, I'm done now. And everyone's still getting ready. Everyone's like rushing about. It's like the scene in Home Alone before they all go <laughs> yeah. to the airport, literally. And I just uh, shoved on Dog the Bounty Hunter. I watched that for like half an hour. I was like, mate, so good. I love it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine waking up early in Italy and putting on Dog the Bounty Hunter of all things? (laughs) Well, this was before we went to Italy, but it was, um, I I wish, maybe we should do that. You know, I mentioned to you about Luca Comic Con. Apparently that's kind of a big deal. Maybe we should cosplay as Dog the Bounty Hunter. (laughs) That's it. I I mean, I don't know what I could, I could just cosplay as a dog, I think, but um, honestly, I just remember um i could be jabber literal nah. jabber you can be cow kestis um we can make the two happen they never met i don't think but we'll somehow make it work um yeah but no mate dog the bounty hunter is one thing with dom the bounty hunter hearing those stories we and we asked dom who who his favorite bounty hunter was and we're like well hold on we want to get in on the action uh so we thought we'd talk about it. and also just quickly as well like 
people seem people love the bounty hunters, don't they, mate? You mentioned bounty hunters online in the Star Wars community, and it creates so much positive conversation. People really and people really love these kind of like gangs of scum and villainy. And um, yeah, got to say, I love hearing all the discourse around it. Also, what what is it about the bounty hunters? Do you think why people just love it? I think it's because, f- from my point of view, they just add a depth and like a a, a rich culture to the Star Wars universe. They mm-hmm. they actually make the Star Wars story seem more legitimate. You know, not that it needs legitimizing, but it's like it just makes it feel more lived in, which I think Star Wars, especially the original trilogy, was you know so good at. You know, it's um really a special, and you know. Now, nowadays, we have a whole TV show thanks to that bounty hunter, really, you know, the the, the OG bounty hunter, um, Boba Fett. You know, it, it's it's crazy, mate. It's crazy. I think there's also a look to them. They they were almost placed and 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 stood like cowboys in old westerns, and I think that really. People were almost like familiar with, with with it, but they weren't necessarily aware of why. It was just like, man, those guys look cool, you know. And uh, that's what I reckon. That's what I reckon. Yeah, man. You've got uh, at, at the time you had Luke Skywalker. He looked cool with his um, Jedi garb and his lightsaber, and Vader looked the bomb. But then you've got people like Boba Fett. You know, got jetpack. He's got this wicked blaster, and he's got this cool helmet and this aura about him. You've got. IG, that one. Uh, Fall on. You've got Zuckers the Bugman. You've got Bosk. Suddenly you've got these like gun toting, like you say, cowboys almost. That they weren't like they didn't have any magical powers. They were just BA with these guns and and or blasters and jetpacks, and they looked great. Their uniforms looked um, dirty, like banged up. But like you said, it adds a legitimacy to the world that it isn't just it isn't just like force power, like magic basically, force powers. Lights, lightsabers and hyperspace no no there is like an underworld there's a criminal underworld which can be uh, infinitely more interesting at times uh like solo we some of the machinations we saw in that film were great i mean seeing like crimson dawn and how the under underworld works it's great and, and we know that you've wanted to see more done about the underworld on coruscant as well it just adds a new layer and it, i don't want to say it makes it feel more like real but you know, I say there's there's nothing, there's no airs or graces about these people. They're just gun toting or blaster toting or whatever their weapon of choice is. They're there. They're like Han Solo. They're in it for the money, baby, and they just look cool doing it. You know, they they've got great weapons. They look cool doing it, and they've got the attitude. Right. You know, they, they they take no prit. Shoot first. Don't even ask questions. That kind of attitude and a kind of, it kind of flies in the face of Sith or Empire. Sorry, who are just like evil through and through. Or the rebellion slash light side Jedi, Jedi, right. Jedi, Jedi, who are good through and through. In the middle, you've got the grey area. Like they don't care either the way; they're just there to get paid. And and then it adds like it's like you said, it adds a new dimension, man. And is it me or is does does the Mandalorian and Boba Fett kind of just really highlight that? Especially what you yeah. were just saying about you know that they're not really true evil; they're not true good. You know, they're more surviving. You know, the they are the just. Middle people trying to make their way through the galaxy right and boba fett in the mandalorian kind of highlights that it just it, it reaffirms the fact that actually he can do good things and he probably has good moral character but he's just doing jobs at the end of the day it's just business he's not best buds with the emperor he's not best buds with vader you know he is just a gangster 
That's it, mate. That's it. That's 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 why why I think or we think the bounty hunters are so popular. Uh, they they well, their moral code is iffy, but they look cool doing it. And it wouldn't be a conversation about any Star Wars characters on sessions without us saying who our preferred mercenary of choices. So, uh, Luke, I'll let you go first. I'll open the floor. Your bounty hunter number one. Who is it, man? Right. Okay. You know, I've got to do things a little bit saucy. Um, <laughs> I'll, let me give you three because oh. I've, got to, I've got to give you shout outs, right? So third, third shout out is, is Bosk, you know, a big up. This is 103, isn't it? Episode 103. Uh, 103 yes. Yeah. 103 Trandoshans. Bosk, <laughs> Bosk's, AKA Bosk's babies. Um, but like I've been saying, you know, Matty boy, we're prequel boys. We're that prequel generation. Mm-hmm. You know, got to give a cheeky shout out to <laughs> Zam, Zam Wessel in a, a snack. I think he is a she. I, I think he is a she. And I think she's she a changeling. <laughs> Genius. Classic. If you haven't listened to our Attack of the Clones commentary on Patreon, you <laughs> are doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> if you love this show, go sign up, patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. It's mental. Number one, Matty Boy, just going off of the prequel thing, for me, it, I, I love Django Fett. I I I love IG Eleven. I love Mando, but to me, Mando's not just a bounty hunter anymore. You know, he is like a knight in shining armor. I love Mando, but that OG Django Fett, getting that Django Fett poster in the Daily Mail in two thousand and two, ah, oh, begging my parents on a Saturday to be like, "Can we get this magazine? Can we get this newspaper, please?" Oh, flipping it! Go on then. It's not the one we usually. I don't care, please. And just having that fat off poster in my wall. Oh, gorgeous, mate! I, I love Django Fett. He's just a simple man, you know, trying to make his way through the galaxy. Through the galaxy, some good choices, Emma. I wouldn't want them trailing me down the M25 on a Sunday evening. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> what about uh, you, mate? You, oh, you said three, so I'll say three. Um. Uh, do you know what? This is gonna. This might be like a uh, moment, but do you know in the Force Awakens, and there's a reason for this. The 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 late the, the in Maz's castle, the woman who rats oh. out the resistance, Vazine. Oh yeah, because, she's like badungum badungum. That's it, or something and like that. Exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. She's like actually like slumped on that big dude. Uh, her story. She's she's got a story called "The Perfect Weapon," a little short story. She's awesome in that. She's just an absolute machine in that. She's just like she's an absolute combat killer. Uh, and she looks great as well in the in terms of, like the actual like aesthetic of her look is great. So her um I'm gonna chuck in Embo. Yeah, Embo. He's a big boy and he's an absolute tank of a bounty hunter. He'll work for anybody and he looks cool. Uh but mate, mate, number one for me. Number one for me is this guy. Sure, sure. As long as I get paid, it makes no difference to me. Cad Bane, mate. Oh. Cad Bane, just tell Sidious, I don't care, mate, just give me my money. I don't care. Cad Bane didn't care. Cad Bane was a man who, well, Duros, who got the job done. And that's what I liked about Cad Bane. He's just, he's, he's modelled after uh, Van Cleef from The Good, Bad and the Ugly. He's boss, mate. He's got his double L30 pistols, the hat, the his ship, the Xanadu blood, the way he looks, the way he talks, the toothpick mm. in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He takes on the Jedi like they're fools. He doesn't care, mate. He's like the one... Uh, bounty hunter who, for me who gets the job done he and looks cool doing it everything about him is cool but he he would he, he never ran from a fight whereas you know boba gets things done yeah okay Django got things done to a point and then got his head lopped off 
Cad Bane was just consistently like a thorn in the yeah. side of the Jedi. He, ne- he, he never got a drink over his head. He never did get a drink. He was the one pouring the drinks over people's head, mate. And um, so, yeah, Cad Bane from the Clone Wars. If you, have, if, you have, if you haven't seen the Clone Wars, guys, go and watch the Clone Wars. Firstly, because it's boss. And secondly, Cad Bane. And all of the bounty hunters we've mentioned pretty much pop up, most of them. Uh, pop up, most of them pop up in that. So they get big, better backstories, if I can talk properly. They get better backstories and it shows why they're so popular. Those animated series and those books and comics and that show why the bounty hunters are so popular. The films do a good job, but the expanded universe does a better job. So who was yours again? Was it Django, mate? Yeah, I'm going to go with Django. Shout Django out to Zuckers, was- though, because he looks so cool. But Django <laughs> is that bad boy, isn't he? Zuckers. So Django and Cad Bane, they're coming for you. Hey, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Well, we all know what bounty hunters like to do, fight and drink, and we're going to do one of those tonight, and it isn't fighting. We just pulled up outside the Bantina, shall we? Oh, let's do it, mate. Yeah, as we do each week, for those new to the show, we sit down here in the Bantina with you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy. We have a couple of Kef beers, and we get your thoughts on our main discussion. And this week, we wanted to know who you guys picked as your favourite bounty hunter. Oh, guys, we got so many responses and cheeky opinions on this. Once again, thank you so much for all the support. Uh, To start us off, Sean Hudson, Shane Daly, Jin Erso, Leo Brito, Tim Griesbach, Stuart Howes, Andreas Blom, Dave Dunn, Sokotano fan, James T. 2006, and Captain Pina all said Cad Bane. Couldn't believe the support for Cad Bane. Everyone loves Cad. If that doesn't tell you that we may seriously get a Cad Bane live action appearance then I don't know what does because I, the, the the popularity of that character is mental is mental is, people love Cad Jin Erso loves Cad if yeah. you saw by the comments as well oh on a stream it's, he just exudes cool so I'm not surprised that so many people sided with Bane yeah cheeky cheeky Bane or um, as uh, Leo and I would call him Bad Kane or, or Baddy Baddy Kane uh, whilst Brox Bellinger Johnny Olive and Sammy Cudmore chose the one, the only, the naughty, Din Jaren. Yeah. That's it, our boy. Rob C. Walton, Fett Rules, and Mr. J86 went with Boba Fett. Uh, James T. 2006 did as well, and Din Jaren too. Uh, speaking of fighting, Alex Jessup and Scott Fisher, they went with Luke's choice of Django Fett, and Lara and Pete from Star Wars Podcast, our friend up north. They went for Embo as well. Oh, great choice. Great choice. Cheeky, cheeky nod to Embo. We all love a bit of Embo. Uh, Sif Slayer 246 sided with Boss Cat. 103 Trans Doshans. Uh, Luke Summerfield chose Zam Wessel. Dan Alex Hales Ammoniac Dajel went for Aura Sing. Yes, those Phantom Menace vibes. And finally, Reese Cox chose the one, the only, IG88. Yes! What? Not Tobias Beckett. You killed Aura Sing. That's the one. Uh, nobody meant for Beckett, actually. Um, I wonder why. But I liked Beckett. I thought he was all right. I don't um, think people like to see Beckett as a bounty hunter, really. They don't really... 
I suppose he's more... Is he about Nyanna? Yeah, he, I, he's kind of like a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel, a, he's a thief, a, isn't he? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, I suppose. do you know what? Cheeky shout as well to IG-11. That scene in the in episode one, chapter one of The Mandalorian, bro. Come on. <laughs> Wait, and, at the, and when, he, uh, when he gives himself up at the end in the final episode of season one, like, yes, come on. Um, and Mando turns and suddenly loves droids again. Perfect arc, perfectly written, uh, perfectly... You know what's coming next, guys? Get your drinks ready. Oh. Executed. Oh! Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. That's better. Um, Thank you, everyone, who sent in uh, responses to that. We couldn't get to them all as per, but please do continue to send in your comments to us, and we'll get them on a future episode of Star Wars Sessions. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So good. Right, okay, so it is the Patreon exclusive part of the Bantina where our patrons get to ask us a question every month. And to start us off is a cheeky voice message from none other than... The legend, the king, the absolute mountain from Kansas. It's Jimmy Adams. Let's hear it. Hey, Matt and Luke. Hope you guys are staying warm. It's Jimmy from Kansas. We are currently in one of the coldest stretches of Kansas history in the last 40 years. feel like I'm living on the planet Hoth. Um, my question for February is this. If the rumors are true that Disney wanted to let Gina Carano go before the announcements of the Rangers of the New Republic, what do you think the show is actually going to be about? I'm hoping it's about the Imperial hunting group from the Aftermath series. The characters are unique and complex. I think it could be very similar to the Mandalorian where they go on these small quests and lead to a larger one. And maybe, you know, it all ties in with Thrawn and Ahsoka and the Mando all show up at the end in the Defender series like Luke talked about. uh, Would a show like this interest you guys? Any chance uh, they could be the Rangers of the New Republic? Uh, Stay spicy, gentlemen. Right. Jimmy, <laughs> the unit. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I'll be honest with you, mate. I love the voicemail, by the way. And yes, um, first and foremost, hope everyone in Kansas and Texas way in the United States is as well as they can be. Yes. Um, yeah. And hopefully, if you're listening from there, hopefully we're providing you with a little bit of escapism. But, you know, our thoughts are with you guys at the moment. Absolutely. Well said. Um, For me, mate, you know, I, again, maybe it's because I'm not really a book guy. Uh, I don't see them going down the aftermath route. I see them doing new characters. I think that maybe it's a funny one because rumors are rumors at the end of the day you know and until proven otherwise i feel i don't know this so definitely i feel like uh cara june was actually meant to be in rangers of the new republic i, I have to lead it i think i thought i thought that too and i heard that too and i think it's it's mad that and again that's what i've heard i don't remember that being officially confirmed or anything so you know there's a lot of wiggle room there um an idea that I really like is that it's some of the dudes, some of the X-Wing pilots, like Trapper Wolf, obviously, Dave Filoni, but also um, the guy from Kim, uh, Kim's um, Convenience. Is it Paul Sun Hyung Lee? 
Yes, he plays a guy called like Carson or something. Carson, Carson Teffer. That's, That's it. it, right? Yeah. So I, w- I was thinking maybe um, a couple of those guys, so some new characters, were going to be in uh, Rangers, Rangers of the New Republic because. I feel like whenever you've got a character from a book or a comic or a video game, there's always that danger, especially if it's set around the same timeline, that you can mess up that timeline. You can mess up that canon. Um, Obviously, Jimmy went into more detail in his message about how the characters are really diverse and therefore bring loads of things to the team and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you'd have to almost reintroduce them in this show. I, 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 I just feel like they'll go for new characters. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Um, X-Wing pilots and maybe X-Imperials. Matty Boy, you're a book guy. What, what are you saying about this? So, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think... No, mate. Uh, I never think you're wrong. Even when you are wrong, I never think you are. But, um, <laughs> no, mate, I don't. Well, I don't wrong. think you're wrong. I think it's going to be... I think we could be seeing a little smorgasbord, though. I think we're definitely going to get new characters. I think they'd be foolish to just bring in characters we'd seen. So, for example, Akara Dune, a Carson Teva, um, a Hera Syndulla, maybe. We've seen those before. Bring them in. But we also need new characters to cling on to, like, like the Mandalorian gave us, which I really liked from season one. Um, they're kind of the new characters we could cling on to. So I hope it's an ensemble cast. I don't like the idea of just having one lead. I like the idea of just having, like, like eight lead everyone's a lead everyone's a part of the ensemble but um the aftermath gang uh that's they've got a chance of appearing in some capacity i mean if they're willing to bring cobb vanth into live action of yes, all people there. cobb then i'm not gonna say no would they bring all of them in oh, but i doubt it because there is a there's a few of them and look i, I off air i actually remembered what, all, what, all of their names and i was really impressed but i really like them in the book they get a great great story in the book like luke said we've got different uh, backgrounds, different, there's a lot of diversity there which would work and win on the screen but of course they'd need to be there for a reason as well, um, we can't just bring people from the books because they're in the books but in this instance if they did that it wouldn't be a bad thing you know I mean that they're there mm-hmm. but I think if they're going to do anything we're going to see a mix of existing characters uh, new characters and some we've seen in this new like TV verse, so Carson Teva and potentially a some form of Cara Dune maybe but um, so I think you're both right. Basically, I'm going to sit on a fence. Whether it's the Aftermath nice. crew or not, I'm not sure about, but I, I can see them dipping into the existing canon for a character or two. And if they do, they'll get the same reaction as when I saw Cobb. A one big yes! Because it, it just rewards people for um, you know for putting time into these Lucasfilm-approved products. So um, I think you're both right. How about that? Yeah, I love it, mate. Especially the little mention with uh, old corn on the cob vamp. And I, I guess mm. anything's possible, you know. Yeah. If, 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 if rumours go online in the next few months that the Aftermath gang are in it, after, after the Mandalorian rumour drops, I believe everything I hear now on the internet when it comes to casting rumours, because all of them were spot on for the Mando. So, um, But Jimmy, mm. thank you very much, mate. And yeah, Kansas, Texas, everywhere affected by the adverse weather. Stay safe. I hope you're all well. And we move on to a question now from the King of Wales royalty himself, Luke Summerfield, who says, Greetings, fellow travellers. Do you think Grogu will be the first Jedi Mandalorian since Tarvisla? I can see him ruling Mandalore one day on his little tiny throne. Hashtag chicken nuggies. Hashtag Star Wars Szechuan. Luke, Grogu, the first Jedi Mandalore in centuries. Can it happen? Lukey boy, I think it's going to happen. 
I think <laughs> it's gonna happen. Um, I think. Listen, if Ray can be a Skywalker, Grogs can be a Mandalorian, right? He is a foundling. This is the way. I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And I'd love to see how it plays into like the later era, the later canon. And I'm talking post rise of skywalker because maybe we all know baby yoda little grogu he's gonna survive the sequel trilogy era we know that it's like come on mate come on mate and uh cheeky shout to the sejuan sauce yes mate baby yoda's chilling on sorgan whilst everyone else in the galaxy is going to pot during the sequel trilogy um yeah i'd love to see it who wouldn't want to see it and he's with luke skywalker at the minute He's going to go back to Din Djarin at some point. It's got to be on the cards. If he, if Grogu was to leave Luke for Mando, he's kind of almost essentially leaving the order, the Jedi Order, and leave, leaving the teachings of the Jedi for Mandalore. At the minute, I don't know where we're going to start in season three, but at the minute, Din is <laughs> the ruler of Mandalore because he's got the dark saber. So. Right. Um, Greg was going to leave Luke Skywalker. Not in bad terms, obviously. He's going to realise, look, I need to go and see the Dadalorian again. I miss that dude. Um, So he's going to leave the Jedi for a Mandalorian. I think whether he gets like tiny armour is another story, tiny Beskar, but there's a a good chance of it happening because we all know, unless unless they pull a fast one, Grogues is coming back to Mando, isn't he? He's coming back to Din. Yeah, it's going to happen, Matt. It's going to happen. I can't see anything else happening. So good though. Just when you said, "Oh yeah, Din has the dark saber, doesn't he?" and everything, I'm like, "Man, yeah, that cliffhanger. What's gonna happen?" Oh, amazing, amazing, nice, spicy little question there, Luke Summerfield, King of Wales. Up next, cheeky question from Sean Hudson asking, "Light of the Jedi is great. Who would you cast as the new heroes?" and spoilers. How cool would the would the live action scenes of dozens of Jedi from all across the galaxy working together to alter the course of the light speed Tibana gas about to blow the blow the sun up? Matty boy, what are you saying about that very light of the Jedi High Republic question? It would be cinematic as hell, as what it would be. It'd be great, and that's what I got from watching reading the book. You. Uh, for the Charles Saul book, Charles Saul paints a picture so well of what's going on. You, you you get to feel, feel what every Jedi is feeling in that moment. And even though we've never met them before, we, we, we understand the stakes. We understand the pressure. We understand what's going in their mind. We understand what's flowing through the Force. Uh, and it's all down to some brilliant writing. Well written from the very first page. Really, really like that book. How cool would it be? I think it'd be great. Uh, I think it would be fantastic to see it. Um, because the book doesn't just paint it out as a one chapter and done. No, it takes up most of the book. So there's plenty of there's plenty of meat there on the bones. But um, who would we cast as the new heroes? Uh, I think I who did I see? Uh, Avar Chris was like Kate Blanchett or something like that. I was like, yeah, I can't get that out of my head now. Um, mm-hmm. As for the as for the other ones, it, most of them could be anyone because and that sounds all bad, but because most of them are kind of green or blue or Beriarch as a Wookiee, so put anyone in that suit put me as Beriaka. um Stellan Geos is an absolute beefcake so uh I think maybe Jimmy Adams could play him uh, yeah Jimmy can play him Jimmy Luke can play Beriaga the Wookiee um <laughs> I'll play the Weasley one who doesn't make it out he's not a Jedi that's not a spoiler um so yeah Avar Chris 
she's she's like she's like the lead Jedi of the uh, of the High Republic at the time. But so I think someone like someone like Kate Blanchett would be fun to play her. So um, you you ha- you now have that book, don't you, mate? I do, mate. I do. I'm a few chapters in, and I'll I'll, I'll save the rest for another time. Ooh, <laughs> everyone's yeah. on tenter hooks now. Yeah, yeah. But Matty Boy delivered it. I was like, wow. I, le- I think I left you a voicemail. I was like, this is big. I was like, the I was expecting mm. the scale of it to be smaller. I was like, the actual book dimensions. The, you the mean dimensions of the pages, yeah, not I'm the like, story. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. No, that's I what was, we talk about off air, like page like, pagination and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a lot more. Yeah, it's it's a lot more uh, simple. It's like no, the actual literal pages. I was like, oh, that's an interesting size. But um, yeah, lovely looking book though, mate. And uh, I, I I'm going to save my thoughts for another time. I need to read a bit more of it, I think. I need to get in a better flow. Uh, Matty Boy, you know I'm busy at the moment, going through a few changes with my life at the moment. So I'm looking forward to just like blocking out some time and getting stuck in. That's it. That's it. Sessions are going places, and I'm going to take some of that time from it off his hands as well. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, to answer your question, Big Brother, I think it would be great. I think it would be great on screen. Now it's already been in a book, they won't do it, but who knows? If they ever did a flashback, it would look great. And um, three questions in. We'd love to hear all of your answers, by the way, guys. What's Rangers going to be about? Is Grogu going to be the first Jedi Mandalorian to sit on the throne with Chicky Nuggies and Szechuan? And wouldn't that scene from Light of the Jedi or that entire sequence be great? So thank you for that. Uh, we onto the penultimate one now from Robert Lawson. He said, hi, guys. Have you ever introduced someone to Star Wars who has become a fan? If so, who? I introduced my mother-in-law to the original trilogy early last year. She's since watched everything and adores the wars. May the force be with you always. So uh, Bobby Lawson has introduced his mother-in-law of all people, and she's now a Star Wars diehard. So, Luke, have you ever introduced anyone? And if so, who? Okay. Um, There's a few people, uh, namely my father-in-law. He'd seen the original trilogy, but he wasn't a fan. But since I have become his son-in-law, I have made him watch... Everything. Everything. <laughs> and he Everything. is a fan. He is now a fan. <laughs> he is traditionally a Trekkie. He's been on a lot of our Patreon shows and a couple, yeah. I think maybe an SWS Extra or, or something. Um, but no, it, he is a great man, always been a Trekkie. But I tell you what, one of his favorites is The Mandalorian. He yes. loves the Mandalorian and he just, he just can't. What's interesting is he used to be an actor. He's directed stuff. He's directed a uh, theater um, and he's worked with people like Warwick Davis and stuff. There's stuff on the Patreon about that. Um, but he, he just can't believe how good the Mandalorian is. He also absolutely adored Adam driver in the sequel trilogy. Mm. He can't get over how good his acting is because he, he looks out for that kind of thing. He, because he's an actor, he kind of, I think it actually ruined some films for him. Um, but the sequel trilogy was enhanced for him because of Adam Driver, pretty much. So there's, um, my father-in-law, Neil, uh, my auntie, Nick, not a Star Wars fan, doesn't really watch the films, doesn't really care about the films, adores the Mandalorian. I've mentioned her a couple of times on the podcast, yeah. I think. And I, I was even speaking on our family chat with her yesterday and she was like, yep, season two, seen it, loved it. Oh, and she yes. said what's funny is she said it felt like an 80s show like how cool is that like she went oh, it feels like for, it's 
right she was like oh it's like a modern show but it's like 80s ish and i was like yeah yeah and i think i said something similar so um yeah and and a few other people that i have dragged to the cinema to 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 watch watch them in fact there were some friends of mine that blocked out the whole um the whole holidays and watched all of the star wars films and then come to canvey island cinema with me to watch rise of skywalker four pound yeah, that's it. It's like a couple of quid. I was like, "Come watch, come watch Rise of Skywalker while it, while it's in the in the uh, cinemas. Let's go, let's go watch it." And and they did. So and I loved it. They thought it was good crack. So what about you, Matty boy? Uh, no, not re- to be honest, not really. No, uh, other than my my little one, uh, who I haven't really introduced as much as forced it upon her. Yeah, Star Wars. You're gonna like it. But no, I, no, actually, when the Last Jedi, you've, you've heard the story before, guys, and Luke certainly has. When I when the Last Jedi came out. I watched the trailer on YouTube on the old television and the Porks came on. And ever since then, she loves the Porks. She used to run around making the noise. Uh, and it was her first real like cuddly toy. It was a Pork, of, of all things. I still have a video I took of her in the Disney store in Lakeside, Essex, where they had the Pork toys and she saw it and she grabbed it and gave it a cuddle, grabbed it and I gave it a cuddle. And I was like, come on, you have to, you have to put it back now. We can't get that today. And it was kicked off. Like, oh, okay, you can have the pork. And uh, so, as it were, she has it in the bedroom with her now. It's still there now, old Porky. Um, and she loves Baby Yoda and Grogu. So she recognises the music. She recognises when I play the games. If the films are on, uh, even if she doesn't know what the film is, she'll recognise. I don't know what it is. Something about it, whether it's the characters or something or the style of it. But she'll sit, look at the TV and just say, are you, "You're watching Star Wars again, Daddy." And I'll say, "Yes, I am watching Star Wars again." And I took some pictures the other day. I was going to put them on our stories. They may or not, may not be up when you see this, but I had the Rise of Blywalker on the other day. It was uh, on in the background. It was on Sky Cinema. So I was like, yeah, let's put it on in the background. And it was a scene with Ray trying to force pull English. Ray. He was trying to pull the, uh, the, sh- the transport, which Chewie's apparently on, from the sky on Persana. And um, Kylo Ren's doing the same thing. Uh, and my nipper's standing in front of the TV. She's doing the same thing. She's got her hand reached out as if she's pulling the thing down as well. Wow. So I quickly snapped a picture of her pulling it. I was like, look at that little nipper. Good girl. Um, oh, no, she's going places. So, um, uh, again, trying to, eventually I will uh, make her love the wars. But we're, get, we're, go, we're getting there so far. So everyone I've shown has liked it, or but they've never become a, become a fan. Never become a fan. So uh, I'm waiting for the nipper to be the first one, man. Oh, love that answer, mate. Love that answer. And it's it's lovely seeing the little sprogs get into it, isn't it? There's nothing quite like it. I even adore watching that on YouTube. It's just there's something about it. Um, nice question there, Robert Lawson. Yeah, naughty legend. Uh, Jonah, Jonah. Uh, hey, guys. First Patreon question from me. If you could grab a bite to eat anywhere in Star Wars, where would it be? My pers- my personal choice would, of course, be Dex's Diner on Coruscant. Kenobi Club, maybe? Name? I don't know. On the other hand, I wouldn't turn down a Crate Dragon T-Bone on Tatooine. Matty boy, what are you say- saying? Where are you going to eat? I can't talk today. What are you saying? Where are you going to Neither of us can. I spent the whole thing like bumbling away through. Jonah, thank you. It's his first Patreon question from our new patron. Thank you, mate. Great job. Um, I ain't. I am not fighting the crate dragon to eat its T-bone, so no chance. Um, I would uh, obviously Dex's diner. Who wouldn't want to go there? Have some Jarrah juice. I would like some of that. Um, 
otherwise, uh, I said to Luke Bly recently, you may have heard of him, that I've purchased the Galaxy's Edge cookbook, the new one. You know, do you know when you just buy something on a whim? It's like, do you know, I'm the kind of guy who buys that who buys that and tries it. So, and I'm looking through it and I'm like, do you know what? I'd love to go to some of these uh, some of these outposts, some of these restaurants in the Galaxy in Batu. So, it's a fairly basic answer, but anywhere in Batu that sells food, I'm all over that. Dex's Diner for sure, the Batu joints, or if Dryden Voss, Blyden Voss, is going to invite me onto his yacht for some colo clawfish, and I'm there. Mate. Love that, love what about that. You? For for me, matey, matey booze. Um, I th- again, what was I, I was going to sell? Like, matey mama, matey booze <laughs> with milk. you, ma- with you, matey mama. It's going to be absolute milk. Um, we love it. We love it. No, uh, I would choose. Obviously, it goes without saying. Cheeky shout out to uh, Maz's Castle on Takadana. You know for a fact they do a lovely little cheeky Sunday roast dinner because. It's the Lake District, isn't it? In the northwest of England. So you know they're going to be doing that traditional British food. That Yorkshire pudding, maybe a roast beef, roast potatoes, smothered in gravy, veg. and Oh, oh mate, that's going to be delish. Maybe a cheeky roast lamb if we're, uh, if we're being extra, extra naughty. Um, other than that, cheeky shout out to the huge fat off canteen. Not cantina, canteen on Camino, oh. where all the clones are just like sitting down to. Oh yeah, what have you got? Oh, I've got um, flipping slice of pizza. Uh, no, what what have you? Ah, oh, they only had the pasta and bacon. Oh mate, they wouldn't be like branded stuff. Like my school, we had like vending machines and that, and it it was never like brands I knew. It was these really obscure brands. <laughs> Coca Cola. Yeah. So maybe some of that, like milkshake, milkshake, (laughs) bottled in Belarus. Choco bar. (laughs) There we go. So I would uh, head to Camino, mate, just for the bants, for the atmosphere. It looks like they're having a party down there, you know, and there are a bunch of kids, you know, with like microphones on and stuff. Everyone thinks, oh, they're training. They're not. They're all playing Minecraft, like huge (laughs) land server, huge land server. Yeah. Massive Minecraft creative server. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'll, I'll spend days there, mate. Days. There you go. It's like a massive harvest of salad bar. It's great. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for your Patreon questions. We're entering a new month with our next episode, so we'll have a new batch of Patreon questions for you all to hear and answer along. We'd love to hear your answers to all of those. But, bartender, until next week, sorry about the mess. We'll be back in the bantina next time. It's the Star Wars Sessions Game! Game! Star Wars Sessions Game, as you've just heard. It's my turn to host this week as we alternate each week. Luke, do you want to know what you're playing this week? Oh, I do, mate. I do. He does. You're playing which Star Wars bounty hunter are you? Oh, okay. It's a cheeky little Q&A, is it? It is. Let's find out what bounty hunter Luke Bly would be if he's in the galaxy far, far away. So DJ, press play. You ready, my friend? Mate, let's do it. Let's do it. Do it. Here we go. So you have taken a job that will require a crew. Who do you bring? As few people as possible. 
The smaller the crew, the bigger the cut. Some bounty hunters you know and trust. You don't need a crew to get the job done. Or the Um, greatest bounty hunters alive. Right, bounty hunters I know and trust. Every day, every day. There we go. So Blilo Ren is right up there. So uh, you've accepted a job that requires you to deliver a package to a murderous crime lord. You realise that the package is actually a youngling. What do you do? Do you uh, triple the price of your services before delivering the youngling? Do you take the youngling, abandon the job and go rogue? Do you uh, teach the youngling how to destroy the crime lord and escape? Or do you not treat do you not treat the youngling any differently than you would any other object? Well, it depends if it's uh, Kidster or not. <laughs> it's Kidster. Phantom Menace. Is it Kidster? It's definitely it's Kidster. Yeah, definitely Kidster. Uh, kid, Kidster's a good kid. I'm going to try and help him escape. Was that one of the options? I was like the third one. It was. You take the youngling and abandon the job and go rogue. Yeah, I'll go rogue. Cheeky rogue, rogue one with Kidster. Uh, what's your weapon of choice? A blaster, mm-hmm. your bare hands, a flamethrower, or a disruptor rifle, disintegrator. Right. Well, if I was Jessup, it would be bare hands. You want a bare knuckle? Bare knuckle. Uh, first one, blaster. Blaster. Blasters. So blasters, okay. Yeah, blasters. Here we go. Your target is residing in treacherous terrain. How do you reach them? By jet boots, by animal steed, by jetpack, or by speeder bike? Ooh, I'm going to be cheeky and go for a... Mate, speeder bike. It's got to be. Come Jedi, on. Return of the Jedi speeder bike. You know that. Okay. Here we go. This is what we're all interested in. How do you spend your hard-earned credits? Do you uh, go on exotic hunts to remote worlds? Do you spend your nights on casinos, nice company, and anything else that pleases you? Do you share your credits with your family and friends? Or do you buy better weapons for your next job? What's number one? Uh, you go on exotic hunts to remote worlds. <laughs> exotic hunts. Shooting tigers. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for three. Friends and family. But I, but I'll, it's kind of like three and four because I want to invest in my equipment too. But primarily the whole point of it is for number three. That's why I'm doing the job. So three. You're pulling a dominant pace. You're doing it for the family, man. Yeah, I'm doing um, a patch who will you not accept a job from? Mm. The Jedi Order? The First Order? The Separatists? Or you never turn a job down? Mm. You're not accepting I suppose a job. in a way, in a way, I never turn a job down, my boy. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> Ren never turns a job down. Uh, a few more. You've been, allotted your, you've been allotted by your contractor enough credits to buy a droid. What kind of droid will you buy? An assassin droid? A super battle droid? A probe droid? Or no droids? You mentioned a super battle droid. I did. I love super battle droids. They are sick. Go big or go home. Yeah, super battle droid. Sick. And the last one. You have been privately contacted for a job by a Sith Lord. What do you do? Do you decline because I haven't followed the proper co- protocol and contacted the Bounty Hunters Guild first? You'll only take the job from the Sith if it involves hunting a Jedi. You take the job to get more information on the Sith or you take the job no questions asked. Do you know what? I'm going to go for number one. Follow protocol. Follow the protocol. Nope, I agree, mate. If, even if a Palpatine doesn't follow protocol, then, you know, he's not getting your money, is he? So here we go. 
you would like to know about Hunt you are, mate? Well, I wouldn't want to um, upset our um, Grief Karga. Grief Karga! So, no, you want to go to the uh, Twilight Healing Baths That's it, at mate. some point. So, Right, what Bounty Hunter are you? Somehow, I mean, I'm not sure how this is picked, but you are Boba Fett. Shut up. As they wish, Boba Fett, the clone child of Django, you are a natural bounty hunter. Childhood trauma has made you cold and vengeful, but stronger <laughs> for it. Tracking and combat come easy to you, uh, and being alone at an early age forces you to develop your survival skills even further. Copyright Lucasfilm Disney. Um, yeah, so you're cold and vengeful, mate, but you're strong because of it. Oh, mate, I'll take that. I'll take Boba Fett, and for my dark and twisted childhood, I'll take that every day. Every <laughs> you got that Boba Fett helmet, man. Yeah, I do. I do have the... I've got it right here. Shall I put it on? Let me put it on. Yeah. He's no good to me dead. <laughs> you sounded just like him. You sounded Thank just you. like him. Thank you. He was yeah. my father's. Hey. Um, well, that was it. Luke Supply is officially Boba Fett. He's vengeful, but he's strong at it. And that was our game for this week. So we're going to end off episode 103 with Revolution Revelation. That Luke Bly is in fact a cold, vengeful bounty hunter. But that is that then for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. What an episode it was. Thank you once again to Dominic Pace, Gecko the Bounty Hunter, for giving up at his time to come and talk some Mando and some Star Wars with us. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. Search for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Just such Star Wars Sessions and we will be there. Drop us a voice note. We love the voice note. Or just a little message saying hello to hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. That is our cheeky email address. And if you want to support us further, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash starwarsessions. Do it. We're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, you will find us there. And if you love our show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on over to podchaser.com. It's D-I-M-D-B for podcasts. It's awesome. We're there. So drop us a review if you have a spare 30 seconds because it helps us grow. We get more listeners in because of it. And we love hearing from you guys each and every week and that's what makes it all worthwhile. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your Ewok, tell Embo. Tell your cousin, the more the merrier, the castle spicier. Come on. Come on, tell Gecko. This is the podcast you're looking for. So, until next time from me, see ya. And from Luke. May the force be with you, always. Luke. One G, one I. Pominic Dace. <laughs> Pominic, yeah, that's a better one. Look, <laughs> Dominic Dace. <laughs>
tell that to Country Club.